Hello, good evening everybody. Welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cami Black. Tonight we will look back at Edinburgh's loss to Bordeaux as well as catching up on some other bits of news from the world of Scottish Rugby. Joining me to do that we have Sandy Smith. Hello Sandy. Evening all. How are you doing? Second second week in a row we're going to subject you to uh, having to talk about Edinburgh losing. Um John, of course, John Anderson joining us. We all get a free pass again this week because Glasgow have no no skin in the game because they aren't didn't qualify for anything this year. John, let's be honest. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I get that you're getting that little dig in just now in the balance uh, to, to get some sort of balance in there. But yeah, even, evening all. Uh, looking forward to this. <laughs> um, we are currently live on Facebook, Scottish Rugby Podcast, YouTube, Scottish Rugby Blog, Twitch, Scottish Rugby Podcast, and uh, if you're on Twitter, we're on Periscope there. If you find at Scott Rugby Blog, we're live on there as well. You can get involved live in the comments. Uh, we've got Ron Wilson joining us who says, good evening, guys. And I think Andy Lone's uh, lurking about somewhere as well. Um, chip in during the night. We'll keep a track on them um, happily uh, put any up on screen and and have a chat about any points you've got to make um this is also available afterwards as an audio download uh, on acast apple Podcasts, anywhere else you can find podcasts as well we also have our patreon where we are putting out exclusive content as well as ad free versions of these podcasts so if you don't want the little adverts in them and you can't watch live that's the way to do it for only three pounds a month you get in the richie vernon thunderdome that gets you access to all the content but if you want to pay a little bit more and you want to pay upgrades to the uh, Doogie Donnelly Members Lounge, you can come in for the cold, warm yourself up, we'll get you a beer. Um, you'll have to pay for it. Obviously, we'll, we'll bring it to you, but you do have to pay for the beer. Uh, that's £5 a month, um, and you get a shout-out on the podcast. So thank you very much to Bobby Vanika McLean, and I hope I've, I've read that out correctly, That, that um, the first part of the double-barrel name, Bobby. But welcome into the Doogie Donnelly Lounge. Take a seat. You, you're very welcome. Um, we've got a fair bit of news to get through tonight. Um, I suppose the first first things first. We, I, I suspect this this certainly was Alan McDonald's hands in the rock. It may have, may have been going to be yours, John. But it's <laughs> yes. the news of the day. We'll start with the news of the day, which is obviously the the we're recording this on Tuesday, and the um, there's been announcements in Scotland as well. But the main news today is that sporting <laughs> events are not going to go ahead with crowds. The Boris Johnson, when he made his announcement today, said for at least six months. When he did, he said for at least six months for all the all the restrictions. So I took that to mean including sport people or crowds at sporting events. However, I understand Jason Leach has come out. He being the the, the man uh, with with the big say in Scotland has come out and said we're going to review after three weeks. Yeah, that's that's right. We're we're keeping the caveat of we're going to review things uh, regularly up here, so um, it's not quite as definitive. And I think there's maybe something in just the way you know Boris tends to be quite verbose about things, and there's maybe just something about the way he's uh, maybe said that for dramatic effect. Who knows? Yeah, and whether or not I think that those things, whether or not it, it covered everything that he was yeah, announcing, yeah, yeah. rather than just specific bits yeah. um however the, this announcement today came not 24 hours after scott the scott scott we <laughs> had announced their own new membership tiers um which let's be honest they could have waited 24 hours this announcement was coming it wasn't like it was a big secret we knew this yep. was coming i don't know why they couldn't have just waited 24 hours <laughs> especially given that they're not releasing the membership packages till tomorrow anyway 
<laughs> so, so out go, out go the membership packages. You no more season tickets, no more autumn test packages, no more membership. There are now three tiers that you can join as a member of Scottish rugby uh, in the Sports Club. Uh, there is Nevis, obviously the highest tier, being the highest, also the highest. Mark. You see what they did there? That's clever. <laughs> <laughs> to be a fly in the wall of that marketing do you um, think how, do you think how much thought was given to that <laughs> suggested and taken right away i would imagine <laughs> what's the tallest thing lads in scotland ben nevis that'll do richie gray oh i could have got oh, the richie gray wait you know who, who wouldn't buy your yeah. membership of the richie gray tier <laughs> What's Get the middle Richie, tier then? Richie Gray, Johnny Gray, Richie Vernon. Oh, the three. See, well, I think you'd have to stick with the Richie, Richie Gray, Richie Vernon, Jamie Ritchie. True, I think it, Jamie Ritchie would have to be the middle tier, unless no, Richie Vernon would be the top tier, of course. Oh well, exactly. I mean, exactly. Richie Vernon, Richie Gray, and then Jamie Ritchie, purely on age. Age and uh, awesomeness. Uh, so, for the for the Nevis range, which we're calling the Richie Vernon uh, tier, because <laughs> we think it's a better name, um, you get access to a ballot for all international rugby at BT Murfield. So that is in case at short notice they can have games. Uh, you get a pre-sale window for women's internationals. You get your name on the players' tunnel for two seasons. Um, and 50% off stadium tour, and also the Front Row Digital Magazine, which we'll come on to in a moment. That is £34. So I think it's a one-off payment. I think it's £34 one a month. Yeah. One-off payment of £34. Yeah. Pounds. So already with the announcement today, that's that's on a sugarly peg, Sandy. Yes. I mean, it's, it's not doesn't feel any different, to be honest, than the uh, joining the Castle Club on the basis that you might get some money off a season ticket when quite frankly it doesn't look to me as if there's going to be any uh, any uh, live sport to be watched in the whole of the next season so and I suspect Scotland will be no different I would just say that uh, surely it's still above the all the lounges that uh, um, that the SRU have announced is Doogie Donnelly's the Doogie Donnelly lounge it's surely no, got to still be at the top now you, you can't get higher than that I mean how many what are you looking at five five months in the Doogie Donnelly lounge yeah for Think of all that quality, con- the quality content you're going to get for that. And glasses of red wine that Doogie seems to like. I know, exactly. <laughs> so that's the never. So again, it's not, I, I suppose, given the announcement today, you're taking a massive gamble that you're actually going to be able to access any of that. It does, I will say, it does cover through to the Six Nations. So there is probably a tiny, tiny prospect that by that point, games may happen, albeit flu season still going on at that point so i don't really unless there's some vaccine or medication or something at that point it's it seems unlikely uh, but you can for the the mcdewey tier now i do, i couldn't work out for the is is that a character from highlander do we know what no, McDewey no, is is that not is that not another is it not just another hill or mountain? I'm, I'm a, is it the second the big, biggest hill? If they if they literally gone, what is the second biggest hill in Scotland? It's the second highest mountain in Britain. Um, actually, the second highest um, mountain in Scotland after Ben Nevis, and it's uh, it's in the, the wow. Cairngorms, Cairngorms National Park. Now I know we give the I know sometimes we give, you know, we give them a hard time up at up up at the big house in Murrayfield sometimes, <laughs> but really, lads, come on. 
your top tier two tiers of membership were the highest mountain in Scotland and the second highest mountain in Scotland. I would hazard, I guess, the third might be. Uh... I doubt it. <laughs> the third's Lomond. No, I think yeah. Ben Lomond might be the third highest. <laughs> or is it just have they just gone? What's the biggest? What's the biggest lock? I need to check now whether Ben Lomond. Well, the the the. I'm just looking at it, and the highest Ben Nevis, Mike Dewey, and then the next, which I've never heard of, us, I'm afraid to say, is Breer Breer Breerach. Breerach. Yeah. I would have gone with Loman because no, because no could pronounce it. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and you're, um, you're, you're like four, four further down before you, you get anywhere near any you can say. So, yeah. But to be fair, maybe they should have left it at that because that way, if you were phoning up to buy on, you would maybe have gone for the one up on the basis you could at least pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why you should be in the marketing suite there, right, Sandy. <laughs> Well, make that one. Make, let's make that one incomprehensible. I'll upsell you. <laughs> Forget your castle lounge. Let's come up with some absolutely <laughs> bonkers name for it. So the McDewey second tier, um, there's no pre-sale, no ballot, but you get your name on the tunnel, 50% to a discount and digital magazine. So, it, yeah, it's not... I, I think it's £19. So, I, I mean, this is all money into the pockets of the SRU, in fairness. We'll have to say it's it's money that's needed, and I'm going to yeah. come on to that in a minute. But it, 19, you're not... 19 quid though to get your to get a name. I, I know it says your name, but nineteen quid to get a name on the tunnel could be good fun for two I mean, seasons. I know. There's there, there's a lot of scope for that to be kind of um, abused. Let's say just you know, it's, <laughs> just so I think, that out there. Alan McDonald was suggesting. That, yeah. No, Alan McDonald was suggesting something along the line of uh, it's okay if you want to have three beers, Finn, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and then the last two two tier, which I think effectively anyone with an email address can be a member of, is Loman. Which <laughs> you just sign up to the newsletter for for free. So, cunning. Yeah. Very cunning. The. Um, so the digital magazine, I don't know what you get for that. It doesn't say whether you get one digital magazine or a series of digital magazines. It's not very clear. I don't know why. I don't. I, I guess it's like producing a, a match day program. I don't know. I suppose, Sandy, would you? I I would think it would be more attractive to me as a supporter to say that I would be happy to receive a digital copy of a match day program for every match. Rather than a one-off digital magazine, yeah, but I mean, a, a one-off digital magazine is basically just an article on the SRU website, surely. I mean, it, <laughs> or, a, or a series of. Whereas if it was, if it was something that was coming out, you know, specifically aimed at a specific game and had most of the usual content you would get in the the hard copy that you bought for, you know, was a fiver or something, mm-hmm. um, then that that's got to be a wee bit more. You're targeted specifically at that game, you know that, that it made makes a big difference. I think that would be more uh, more appropriate. I know, and that's I mean, what, what I mean. Like you said, Sandy, it's it's the you know it's essentially the the magazine equivalent of the the SIU corporate podcast, which it, it has its moments. Let's let's you know it, it, it can it does put yes. out some good content, but at the same time, it's there to get get messages so, out, and it's relentlessly on message. Yes, so. <laughs> 
that's like in the same way as Johnny Gray's tackle success. <laughs> it's the it's the it's the podcast equivalent of Johnny Gray's yeah. tackle. Ninety eight percent on message. That's uh, also the name of uh, Johnny Gray's sex tape. Oh, <laughs> relentlessly efficient. Relentlessly. <laughs> um, but I, I mean. I, yeah, that's going to be it's going to be a stretch to fill it with stuff. You know what? You know articles on what Blair Kingholm's favourite type of sausage. Well, it's going to have to be stuff like their player profiles and all that. I mean, it, it is this. I mean, I know that Edinburgh have done them uh, for the, uh, the towards the tail end of the season. There, they had one for the Glasgow home game, and there was, and it it looked very much just like a match program, and it still had adverts and everything as you turn the pages so it was um it, it was you know it was a match program and all but you know I suppose you could have probably printed it off if you were really desperate but um you know it was there in that in that format to look at so yeah, yeah. I think you'd make more money and from a marketing point of view as well they'd sell more ads if they produced a match day program every for yeah. every game. Yep. Maybe that's what we should do. Maybe we should produce a wee fanzine oh, our own match day programs to the Patreon. Might do that. Aye. And to be honest, there's probably no reason why. I mean, given that if you know in advance nobody's getting to the game, you can work on a um, a program and actually potentially even post it out to people for at cost and see mm. whether there would be takers for that. That would be enough. I mean, I know it's kind of old school, but you know, people like the program, so it's yeah. uh, one, one way to get it without actually having to not be socially distant. <laughs> Very true. Um, the other news that um, has been around, which is kind of ties into this, is obviously a, a way for the SIU to raise funds. So they, they are. Let's give them credit. They, they are ahead of the curve in, in as much as that you know they are thinking ahead about the fact that there's not going to be any crowds at BT Murrayfield um, going in these autumn this the Six Nations slash autumn test hybrid, but the. The, the, the announcement today was that there is going to be some financial support for elite sport and the RFU have come out and said, essentially, they're going to, I don't think they're going to say they're going broke, but this is going to be a hard hit for them, John. Yes, yes. Yet again, the RFU came out with a begging bowl um, and uh, say that we're, we're, we're going to go down the pan unless people bail us out. Uh, it's a basic example of like financial mismanagement and uh, forgive me for not necessarily being terribly sympathetic to it given the that when Scotland were um, in the early days of professionalism and were uh, sitting under a mountain of debt, there certainly wasn't any sympathy coming from, um, like, well, we say English, um, what would it be? Would it have been English newsletters at that point? Uh, <laughs> So, no, yeah. it's, it's, you know, you have to cut your cloth and unfortunately the RFU have got, you know, they've, they've got financial difficulties and hard bleeds. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I think I, I was, I was look, frantically before we came on air, Sandy, going back through the Offside Lines articles on, and the interviews they did with Mark Dodson. I say interviews, I think the more kind of press conferences about the, the state of affairs in Scottish rugby and, Certainly, that the the the, the, nor, the news coming out of Murrayfield is that Scottish rugby is maybe a little bit better placed to absorb the hit. It's not going to leave us in a good place, but but 
you know, at one point they were talking about, you know, trying to come out of it with no redundancies, which would seem ambitious. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, well, I suppose we're, we're, it's, they're like businesses like any other business, I suppose. And the, um, I, I remember reading this week that the IR, IRFU are in a similar uh, similar yep. state and that they, yep. that they had a... They had a war chest and it's now gone. Uh, I mean, I think I can't remember the numbers, but you know they've literally spent every penny and and their and their savings. Yep. Um, and professional rugby, I suppose, at that level is a, a business. The only difference is you're not going to give you're not going to give thirty five quid to um, to John Lewis to keep them going, whereas you know there's quite a lot of rugby supporters are prepared to put their hand in their pocket and support. You know the SRU prepared to support Edinburgh Rugby, which you know may 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 will be the same thing. But um, so that, I think that's a big difference there is that they, they they clearly need it because they're still paying wages even though they're um, limited wages. Uh, you know I don't I don't know that the players are all back on their full uh, mm. full whack, um, but you know uh, <coughs> limited limited income still got wages, so that's the only way that they're only way that they're going to have to get some cash. Yeah, I mean, I think they're, they're, they're talking about, I think that when Mark Dodson was last interviewed or, or last spoke, he was talking about 18, an 18 million loss, and that was at the harsh end of things. Um, but he was saying that, and it's, from his comments, it sounded like they were planning that the, the autumn tests would go ahead without a crowd. And since then, we've had the announcement of the Amazon broadcast deal. Plus yeah. then, we've we've still got CVC hanging around in the background there's been nothing finalized there but but presumably coronavirus is, is playing a part in that i mean it's to a certain extent john for always we've been critical of mark dodson if if scottish rugby does come out of this with only an 80 million i say only because it's like ah it's only 80 million what's that Do you know only an 18 million loss and minimal redundancies then i think we you know there'll be quite rightly we should be singing his praises yeah, absolutely, and I think we we mentioned this um, a few shows ago, where we said, uh, and I believe it was you, Cami, who uttered the phrase um, "financial emergency" and suggested mm. that Dodson Dodson is the hero we need in a financial emergency, and we were very specific about that. Um, all the other stuff that goes on uh, with Dodson, all the other kind of let's let's say people management stuff. Um, ability to manage uh, the press, ability to manage the kind of optic of things, not necessarily a strong suit, but getting a business to run to profit or run to minimal loss, he's very good at that, and he's very, you know, he's he's obviously been credited with Scottish rugby coming back to some sort of fiscal stability, and he was rightly. Um, rightly awarded the contracted bonuses that were no doubt linked to that um to, to much of the ire of many many supporters but um yeah i think we're lucky to have him in this situation we talked previously about you know when the vacancy for the for the rfu was available and we were saying that if you were looking for someone to steady that ship and they need financially sta- steadied he would have been such a good choice for them yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the, the the kind of stuff they're talking or they have done is to cut the number of um, international youth teams. So they're keeping the under-20s, but anything below that's gone temporarily. And, that, you know, that kind of stuff makes sense, I suppose, because this is, a, you know, hopefully it's a short-term thing. So to lose something like the under-16s, under-18s for a couple of seasons, it's it's no great loss, really, Sandy, is it? 
No, as long I mean, as long as these uh, players are still managing to play rugby, they're not, you know, they're not necessarily going to be lost to the game. I mean, they were, uh, that that could be the, your only concern is that if they don't have that pathway for them, that uh, by the time that reappears, that they're gone from there, and you know, and perhaps not picked up in the same way that they would have been. Um, I mean, we're always, to be fair, it's probably never we've always got this problem because we've only got limited. Uh, pro spaces, so um, even with super six, it's not it's not like a like an awful lot of gaps for players to fit into. So it's probably not a great deal worse than it uh, than it would have been. Yeah, I mean that we've got a question in from uh, Ben McCall. I think I, I'm assuming that's uh, McCall, and there's something else after that. Uh, I say I still say Ben. I've just made up. I've made up his first name. Yeah, just make up his own name. It's fine. All right, it's uh, Barry McLeod. <laughs> Bono McLeod gets in touch. <laughs> he says, has there been any recent news about the medium-term plans for support for the Super 6 clubs? Well, the only announcement is that there is going to be a Super 6 sprint, yes. which I assume they came up with that idea in the same uh, market <laughs> conference as, <laughs> as Nevis. Nevis. Nevis and McDo. Is um, that a sprint up Nevis? Who, well, possibly, John. It's a sprint. the Sprint Series. Really leaning nice. heavily into the, the Super Six Sprint series. Really <laughs> leaning heavily into that alliteration, aren't they? Uh, they've managed to get sponsored again by Fosrock, which is really good news. Given, I mean, that's a yeah. good commitment from Fosrock given the current situation. So the idea is that that we end the season with a a sprint, as it says. The names in the the names in the title. Um, so it's going to be uh, everyone is going to play everybody once, I believe between the 31st of October and the 28th of November. And then the final weekend of fixtures will be on Saturday, the 5th of December. You get 1st v 2nd, 3rd v 4th and 5th v 6th, just to kind of determine the final table. Now, I think it was you, Sandy, who uh, pointed out now that it's interesting that the Super 6 was going to be broadcast on BBC and on Scottish Rugby TV. So that was the idea that it would be watchable. Now, the announcement is, Nobody is going. There's no could be no live games at all on the BBC or on Scottish Rugby TV. Obviously, no fans are going at this point in time. So, your point, I think, Sandy, was if anybody, if nobody can go and see the games, did they really happen? There's a tree fall in the woods. I, I, I mean, I understand it's the players have got to play. I mean, otherwise, it just it makes a mockery. But you know. It, it, Surely, given the the fact that nobody can be there physically, they could have at least put it on YouTube and allowed us to see the live games. I mean, we're pretty much there's not a great deal of rugby. There may well be some more rugby by then, but um, I mean, I know I was already watching these games on YouTube because I, they they didn't suit me to go physically, or I would have done. But I was watching them on uh, the the live game on a Sunday that they were putting on. It can't cost all that much. I mean, there was only like two cameras in the ground, for goodness sake. So, uh, to to have com- to have at least done that to to make this a worthwhile exercise for the spectators, uh, for any spectators for that matter, you know, um, crazy. But at least yeah. at least you had the op- option of attending games. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> because there is some rugby in. in you've got you've you've got a you could. Choose any club you wanted to go and watch. Sandy with John, poor John. Ear or not? Ear or nothing. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's over an hour away. <laughs> <laughs> but it's in the west. Come on. I said, yeah, I mean, so is Ireland. 
the um the, the interesting thing i think um here as well is that there are going to be obviously going to be cameras at these games because we're going to get a, a scottish rugby tv produced highlights package presented yeah. by chris patterson so it's not like the reason is well we can't get tv crew and commentators in because of social distancing there's going to be cameras at these games because there's going to be a highlights package unless it's chris patterson just talking at us for a you know a half an hour magazine program describing what he saw describing when he was exactly. there and yeah, the, uh, the number nine is running with the ball and uh, yep and oh there's a tackle and you would yeah. think if they're gonna if they're gonna record the whole thing then they could at least put it out live. <laughs> I mean well, one game, at least one game, one Sandy. Game. I mean, you know, with devoid of rugby, you think one game would be enough to and it would get you would think in the current circumstances it would get get an audience as well. Yeah. Maybe maybe they're Unless concerned good, about the lack lack of crowds and the potential for picking up untoward noises on the, the pitch. Maybe it's all about the sweary words. Yeah. Uh, maybe well, it is. Kind of getting that anyway, aren't we? <laughs> Well, that's happening. I've got to say. The other slightly worrying thing about Super Six is um, Sterling County confirmed the departure of eleven players from their squad this week. Um, Cameron Henderson signed a professional contract with Leicester Tigers. Sean Kennedy's joined uh, Glasgow Warriors on a short-term deal. Um, Josh Henderson, fly half, has uh, had made a move to Hong Kong to pursue an international career. Yep. Uh, Ross Bondy has joined France, gone to France to move uh, RC Narbonne's youth setup. Um, Robbie Kent um, has got a busy work schedule, understandable <laughs> at this time. Uh, Fergus Bradbury is pursuing his education. Bruce Scobie has moved to Aberdeen. Just that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Sterling and Aberdeen famously, uh, famously no. difficult to travel between. Uh, Aaron Thompson has made the move down south to study in Leeds. Charlie Brown has moved back to England. Uh, Mark New, who travelled from Stonehaven last season, has now focused on his career outside of rugby. And winger Andrew McLean takes a break from rugby with an ongoing injury. And I think that's the... That, that's the, There's a lot of... I mean, within that, you've got the whole range of the kind of impacts that the coronavirus is having on it on something like the Super 6. You know, life goes on outside of rugby and, and people players are having to make that very difficult choice. Do I carry on with the rugby career? At you know regional level in Scotland, or do I need to go and work because work is busy and it takes priority over training? I can't afford to get injured. Because there was an interview, there was an article actually in the Telegraph. I think it was spoken to Tyndale Rugby down in Hexham, and they were saying similar things that a lot of their players had had come under pressure from their employers now, who were saying that we cannot afford for you to be injured in a rugby match because we're already stretched at the minute as it is. So it is, I mean, it's a real kind of challenge, I suppose, to Super 6, not financially, but but just from a player retention point of view, Sandy. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you can see, as you say, there's a full range there. but And then there may well just be a, a, some of those guys who, whatever the reasons are given, have thought, well, they've had no rugby for... Um, uh, no rugby for nine months, eight, eight, nine months, and I've just realised that um, well, we can live without it. We don't need it, you know. I, don't, I mean, I know when I stopped playing, that was more or less my. It was like there was a. I'll give myself, you know, summer to think about it, and if I feel I'm missing it, I'll go back. Maybe they're just not missing it. I mean, it's not like there's a yep. huge amount of money in it for them, uh, and that and that'll that'll fall all the way down 
through the club game as well. You know, the, the completely uh, amateur club club game because you know if you've gone nine months without it and you think you know what I actually haven't really been all that upset that I haven't been able to play, found another interest, whatever you know, uh, it's like that. So whilst these guys are part time pros. They may well, some of them may well have felt that way as well. I mean, some of them you can clearly see have moved on to potentially bigger and better things, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, we um we well, John's pointing out we've had a lot of we have a lot of comments in on 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 uh, on Twitch. Um, <laughs> K Dilguino one four three says, "Are we in search of followers, primes, or views? Come on to bigfollows.com. I would not advise going to bigfollows.com. <laughs> Not unless you want to see some big fellows with big follows. <laughs> um, so we need to figure out how to sort that out. Um, Joe Shepard has asked the question. Now, I'm going to say, Joe, thank you very much for getting in for touch Joe. with us. Um, p- people will know Joe, who were on the Scottish Rugby Forum, has his own podcast. Um, he says, lads, where do you feel Scottish Rugby strengths are going forward at both regional and test level? I'm going to park that, Joe, to our hands in the ruck section, if that's okay, while we go through the news. But I wanted to flag it up that he'd asked it. Uh, yep. Because we'd been spammed and I didn't have a chance to reply to him in the comments. <laughs> um, the um, we'll have a look. We've got um, Ryan Cobain says, uh, "Evening, lads. Do you think rugby will have fans in for the end of the season, or will it be the twenty one twenty two season? And should the contracts have been honoured until then?" Um, I, I I think it's it's an interesting question. I wonder. I personally don't think we'll see a return to full crowds by the end of this season. I think you might have coming into April, May, depending on how many fixtures get postponed, potentially you might get something like we had at, at BT Murrayfield with the 700 fans in socially distanced. Yeah, it's going to be very difficult, particularly for particularly for the club game. Um, you know, just thinking about obviously Edinburgh are in a better position and that they've got the the big house. Um, but you know, it's the potential for social distancing at uh, are we calling it the wee house? Are we calling it? You know, what 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 are we calling it? The train station? Um, no, no, no names yet. No names yet. So that's all <laughs> no. for debate. Fantastic. I, I'll 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 get on that. I'll name it for you. Um, and I'll obviously Scotland. Oh gosh. What, you mean it's not going to be the John Anderson Stadium? God, I thought I had an agreement. Ah, but the point I'm trying to make is that these smaller grounds, the potential for social distancing is obviously much reduced and the chances of getting supporters back at Scottsdale or the mini house um, are slim. So you would expect, you know, if we're going to have fans, it will have to be at Murrayfield. You'll then get the classic Glasgow fans going off their head about that, and all the you know all the all the stuff that usually happens around shift of games to Murrayfield. So yeah, um, I had I know someone got in touch with me, and I, I forget who it was. It's after last week's podcast, or maybe the week before's podcast, where we were talking about the changing rooms at Murrayfield. Now I didn't realize there are three changing rooms at Murrayfield. Did you know this, Sandy? I did not. No, there are just, so Edinburgh do not get changed in the Scotland changing room All for right. games so they have their own home changing room at Murrayfield ah. which is why when we were talking the other week about how Glasgow Warriors had used the Scottish changing room for twice two weeks running and we were speculating whether or not that was Richard Cockrell doing some cunning kind of let's get uncomfortable for going away and playing in Bordeaux no it's just that Ember have got their own changing room 
Right. <laughs> so Glasgow, rather than using the normal away changing room, and said, we're not having that. Who do you think we are? We're having that one and walk straight into the international one. Is it some sort of privilege thing like like down at Wimbledon when you, I think it's when you're a British player and you represent Britain in the Davis Cup, you're able to use like the special changing rooms. So, you know, players who've represented Scotland insist on being able to use the Scotland changing room. It must, that's, that's all I can think is we're not going in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's where we are. That's the things are. I don't think we're going to get crowds back anytime soon. Um, the other um, bit of news um, is the Scotland women's team. I'm going to come to Bordeaux in a minute. Don't worry, Sandy. I'm just. I don't feel. I don't know whether I'm prolonging your pain here, Take your time. Take or, or whether time. <laughs> whether you're happy with the avoidance. Um, we've had the women's Six Nations training squad was announced. They met up this weekend. Um, six uncapped players. Um, there was two players unable to join um, because um, they're based in the north of England. And um, uh, the north of England has got additional lockdown uh, measures in place, even though it only applies to the south of Northumberland, which people in Berwick are most unhappy about. Let me tell you, there's no <laughs> coronavirus in Berwick upon Tweed. <laughs> That's the obligatory Berwick mention for this week. Um, so we've got, um, there's also been, um, so we've got, the preparations are underway. They've got another, they've got gate. I think they've got games against, I've wrote this, I did write this down so I could remember. So they have got uh, games against France at home on the 24th of October, Wales away on the 31st of October, and then Italy away on the 5th of December to get the Six Nations um, completed. Um, does it, I mean, that they're all going to be behind closed doors, John? Yep, yep, they are. Yep. Um, shockingly enough, who would have <laughs> guessed? Um, yeah, I mean, it's... I think I think it's 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 difficult as well. There, there's obviously you know we've made the argument about Super Six and Sandy's point. You know if you, if nobody sees it, did it happen? And there is the argument that these players do have to play. But there, there's there's an argument as well for the risk factor of things. And you know I get that people are you know sports people and want want to want to play their sport, but. There's, there's got to be a balancing act kind of weighed up in terms of, you know, is it worth putting the game on? And I would say that for under-20s games, I would say that for, you know, games that are not televised and are not being kind of screened to the wider public, should, should there be a debate about whether they should be going ahead at all? Maybe. Yeah. I think, I mean, what, what's interesting about this, Sandy, is I think there's a real opportunity here if... Scottish rugby handle this right to really promote the women's game because we've had a real lack of rugby. Yeah. Over the, and and it kind of I think unfortunately because of the timing of the six women's six nations is it, it kind of like loses out to the men's version of the tournament because which gets all the hype and and, and it's run alongside it rightly or wrongly I think there could be a debate about that about whether yeah. or not it could be given its own space or whether actually being within the men's tournament kind of helps promote it a little bit but here's a real opportunity to say look you haven't had rugby for a while but let's get this on let's get this on bbc alba let's get this on bbc two scotland or whatever and really kind of show what the women's game can be because i think it would surprise a lot of people to, to kind of see that the, the quality on show yeah and i picked up on a tweet earlier today i didn't I've kissed his usual scroll, scrolling through and i mentioned that the, the games have got staggered kickoffs as well i think mm. Which you know, 
I'm assuming that because the complaint was from whoever it was that had tweeted that that they won't be able to watch all of them because you know they're not going to be on all live at separate times. I mean, obviously we've got the magic of television to record it if that's the case, but um, but still, you given the opportunity, they think they could have can maybe space them out so that they, you could watch everyone um, and maximise that uh, opportunity that you've just mentioned. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, you, but they do need just to be able to, I think everybody needs to want to play. I mean, obviously for Scotland, it's uh, uh, like all the other countries, there's a uh, 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 Women's World Cup next year in order that they're still looking to qualify for. So that'll be their big thing for the, uh, for the remainder of the Six Nations to get up to speed for, I can't, I can't remember whether those games count or whether they were separate games or how it. How it no, I think there's games against. I want to say Spain, and I'm, I apologise to people not knowing this. I've, I've got a fear, something at the back of my head is nagging me about Spain, that, that they've got games. Yeah, I think in January coming up that, that that potentially, but they're in the. I know they're certainly in the running for the qualification yeah. for the World Cup. That'd yeah. be a big step for them, and it's one I think they, they, they you know, it's kind of they need to take. Yeah, so I mean that would be that. I suppose that would be the reason they would want to try and get these. I mean, albeit the, you know, the it's like a Scotland men playing Wales. It's so so long ago now; it almost doesn't seem relevant. But uh, a tournament that's you know lasted a whole year. But um, but if it helps them, if it helps them get ready for those qualifiers for the World Cup, then then it's it'll be worthwhile. Yeah. And um, John, uh, it is that opportunity, isn't it, to kind of show women's rugby and show what a good. I mean, you've been along to a couple of internationals. Yeah, yeah. I think I know. Yeah. You know it's, it's you know it's a really good day out. It's a shame we can't do that, but certainly to kind of put it front and centre. Yeah, I mean, the, the, there's no doubt that the quality of the the product is. I mean, I don't think anyone would disagree to say the, the quality of the product that's been produced now in the women's game is vastly higher than it was even you know a couple of years ago, and it is it is blood and thunder like rugby it is fantastic to watch and um, it isn't necessarily blighted with some of the some of the things that the men's game struggles with. You know, your particularly how do we restart the game, scrums, things like that. They're not quite as um, not as not as much of an issue. So you, you you tend to get a more kind of free flowing game, and it's um, if that's if that's the type of rugby you want to see, <laughs> which you know I think most of them do. It's it's great great day out and well well worth it. And usually the tickets are dirt cheap. So <laughs> you know if you ever do get a chance to go along, and you know twenty forty six when we next get into stadiums, um, <laughs> you know do due to the opportunity. So I've got I've got an update. So we, we haven't got I don't think we've got any fixtures. So um the postponed fixtures for the women's European Europe Championships 2020 and the rugby 2021 European qualifiers. I wanted to get this right and I will stress that I, I struggle at the best of time to remember where the men's fixtures are and who Scotland <laughs> are playing. So that wasn't that's my that's not that's not me being up up to speed on the women's game. That's purely down to my brain being scrambled at the best of time. So there is going to be a European um, Championship 2020. Um, the um, winner of that will um, take part. I'm going to get this. So it's going to be the week around Robin on the 5th, 12th, and 19th of December. The winner of the tournament will qualify for the Rugby World Cup 2021. The runner-up will progress to the final qualification oh. tournament, which will be organised by World Rugby in 2021. 
So it's a, it's going to be a big ask, but it's you know it, it's there if 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 the, you know they have started to take big scalps. They've taken out you know they've beaten Ireland in recent years. So it's a it's a good opportunity. I think my only worry would be that a lot of the team are based in England because they play in the Premier 15s tournament, and that logistically might cause issues. I mean, we've already got two players who can't travel up from the northeast of England, so we'll have to we shall watch that with interest. But yeah, I think. You know, any support, I think all it, now is the time to support women's rugby in Scotland. It has always been the time, but of course, but now is a good time to do it. We've not had rugby on telly for a while, so so let's let's all get behind it. Um, yeah. other bit of news is um, Tavish Scott, who was the head of external affairs, which sounded like some sort of um spy agency within <laughs> Scottish rugby. Uh, he's gone off to uh, be um, chief executive of all salmon in Scotland. So I don't know what he does. I don't know if he like sorts out the payroll or gets them together for team meetings, like team away days. Come on, boys! I think, I think there was some sort of thing about him. Um, it was to do with communications and sort of external communications. I think he's a, a sort of external comms specialist, which was quite funny given the absolute plat that Scotland made of the external comms over the World Cup period. Yeah, where, when he was in charge, he's been in the role fourteen yeah. months, and now he's off to go and have away days with Salmon about what what's. How are we going to spawn this year, lads? <laughs> I, I, I'd entirely forgotten that he was working for the SRU. Genuinely. When I saw that he was away doing salmon things, I thought I thought he was gone a long time ago. So he's to, to, he's now claiming the fish ladder rather than the, the career. Oh, ladder. that's a good one. Oh, well done, Sandy. Round of applause for that. That's a, good so, one. That's a great pun. Have have either of you two seen? So to go back to our recommendations on Amazon Prime chat from last week, <laughs> <laughs> have either of you two watched The Boys on Amazon Prime? Not yet. No, it's on my oh, it's on my watch list. It's very good. So basically, Tavish Scott is um, is the deep. He he is the the the, the superhero who can communicate with uh, aquatic animals. So well, that's like Namor. Namor in is it Namor in Marvel and. Um... There's a, or is he in DC? There's officially there's fish superheroes in both DC and Marvel. Yeah, so he's often yeah. Aquaman, isn't it? Isn't it? Aquaman, that's it. Yeah, no, the, Aquaman, it's Aquaman in um the, in DC, and then we've yeah. got Namor the Submariner in um in Marvel. I mean, I don't, I don't think for a minute that we're suggesting that, that Tavish has got super, can communicate with fish or has any kinds of superpowers. Who knows? Who get knows? in touch, let us know. If you're watching Tavish, get in touch in the comments. Or if you're, in fact, a salmon who's been touched by Tavish, get in touch also. Yeah, this is safe space. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the other bit, of, I'm going to come into it now, Sandy, like Bordeaux versus Ember. Let's let's get into it. We're 40, 46 minutes into this podcast. <laughs> He's done, he's done well. It's fine. He's it's done fine. well. That's fine. So, Ember lost to Bordeaux in the quarterfinals of the European Challenge Cup. Uh, 23-14, 14-0 down and came back. I mean, it's... I think certainly didn't start well. No. But to be in it with 10 minutes to go, is that progress or is that standing still, Sandy, for Ember? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I think it's progress. I, I, I mean, the, the individual game, the same as uh, uh, last week against Ulster, you, to, first of all, you've got to have got to these places to play these games. So, you know, that in itself is progress. Yes, Edinburgh made the, 
the final of the Challenge Cup before, but in the same season they got the final of the Challenge Cup, I think they were last in the Pro 12 or, or thereabouts. So, you know, to get to the, the semi-final of one, albeit under strange circumstances, and to reach the quarters and the other, um, that has to be progress uh, as far as I'm concerned. Now, they're, I mean, Richard Cockrell said himself they're not ready to win at that level, and that, and that, may, well, that may well be right. Um, I mean, an awful lot of mistakes made over the two weeks that normally you would not have associated with a side. You know, handling errors. Um, a, I mean, Hamish Watson dropping the ball twice. It's just, you know, you 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 actually shouting out before you realise that you've not actually ever done that before for Hamish, to be honest. It's a kind of strange concept. Um, people making decisions on, you know, uh, overlaps that they've, probably wouldn't have made at other times. So there's there's definitely a, an element of... And, and I also think, to be honest, that the, when you look around, with the exception of Leinster, everybody's failed in the Pro 14 at this level this year. Nobody's gone on uh, very far um, or, or, or much further. And it, it may be that we're, we're not just quite conditioned as well as we would have been mm. had the season gone the way it should have done normally. I mean, I thought some of the players looked as if they were struggling for fitness. Uh, yeah. on I suppose you well, well, you lost uh, Van der Merwer, Bennett, yeah. Gr- Groom, Pergos, and these are all players yeah. that when Edinburgh went well against Glasgow, were all were all there. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's not as simple as saying, I mean, if Duhan was playing, we would have won, but we would have, I think we might have at least another try out of it, and and the game was close enough as it was. So, um, you know, Mark Bennett playing, perhaps he wouldn't have. I mean, it, it's if spots and maybes, and but there's no doubt that um, that the replacements were not of the same caliber as those that would have started the game uh, if they had if they'd all been uh, available for selection. So, it is an excuse, but it's a valid excuse because you can't you you don't get up against a team that would have won the the top fourteen. With you know a second strength side really and expect the fact that they were still in it with ten minutes to go and if it not for again for perhaps a, a lack of composure when it really got quite difficult at the end they could have won it um, it was there to be won uh, and I, nobody would have said that after fifteen minutes it's yeah. just after fifteen minutes I was watching through between my my fingers because <laughs> I thought I thought it was a car crash you had you had your season review written. And posted <laughs> almost at half time. Now that was a that was a secret. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was. I mean, it was. To be fair, it was. And uh, um, and obviously, I was prepared to rewrite the kind of last couple of paragraphs if uh, if we had won. But as it was, all I had to do was you know put the dot on the end of the sentence um, uh, because it you know everything ended up because I, I I had no real confidence. From Friday onwards, that we were going to win. Um, I yeah. just didn't, I couldn't see it. To be honest, it's. I mean, I mean, and Sandy's uh, season review is now available on the blog. It was. We didn't. We did wait at least. I think twenty four hours before we posted yeah. it. <laughs> it wasn't quite on the final whistle, although it, it was there it in draft been. form. It was there in draft form at the final yeah. whistle. Um, but Joe, I mean, it's an interesting point Sandy makes about preparation for this because it is. I think it's hard to read into this with Europe particularly, I know with the Ulster game we were saying, you know, that I think you could, it's probably more comparable. Uh, you know, Ember were much more of a, an even footing, I think, in terms of players available and preparation. But with the Bordeaux game, you're asking guys to step up who really aren't match conditioned because 
it's off the back of three games and maybe they haven't had a full proper run out. So I think you can allow the the current situation to kind of seep into to it as a bit of a, a an explanation, if not an excuse, as to why Ember maybe struggled. And and maybe it's you know the fact they were in touch and distance in ten minutes should be seen as a positive. Yes, yeah, you could you could spin it like that if you wanted to. <laughs> Um, Come on, John. Um, I was teeing up feet. Be nice to Embrook. I, I know you were not. So um, I think it's important to remember, right? So I, I agree with Sandy completely. I think Edinburgh have made real progress and it is, they stuck in, they stuck in when they maybe, could, they could have let things go after that first 15 minutes. So they stuck in, they dug in and they could have got the result. And that's a really good sign for them moving forward. However, you have to ask questions. The selection, whilst guided by some of the injuries to key players that took place, the selections that were made, there was players, you know, you've said, you've mentioned Grant Gilchrist. Grant Gilchrist was knackered two weeks ago. Yeah. And and did not, he's, he's not, he's not fit. He's not fit. Um, ben Tullis is, you know, was not fit for the Ulster game. There's, selections that are taking place of players that are not fit and whether that's because they're the only people available now given that edinburgh have got about seventeen thousand back rows <laughs> i would imagine there was someone they could find who was maybe match fit or maybe fitter the other point it's worth considering is we've said you know obviously edinburgh with regards to the covid situation just back, you know, few games, couple of kind of meaningless knockouts against Glasgow, and then, uh, you know, a defeat in a semi-final. Bordeaux have played one game, so we, we, let's let's get away from the whole, you know, match fitness excuse. There, Edinburgh have had more rugby than Bordeaux. Bordeaux are a better better sides, yes, but they've had less rugby, so maybe that accounts for the the fact it was close in the end, but. I just think, you know, at that's at that level, it's the individual errors that you're seeing from players who, yeah, you can argue fitness maybe not there. Do they make it through the season in a normal world? Maybe not. But uh, for me, Blair Kinghorn's error, the not passing that ball, was absolutely criminal. And I'm, I, I've, I've been, I've been harsh on him in the past, and I think he's a very talented player who, you know, has has real potential, but he has a real lack up there of making the right decision over and over again. And he, he, he consistently fails to make the right decision. And in this case, it's cost Edinburgh probably the win, you know, and it's not the first time that's happened. So you can, we're not going to say that's duty match fitness or match sharpness. That is him making crucial errors at crucial times. And it's happening too often. Not just Ember though. I think I think you could you could kind of level that at the whole of Scottish rugby. That oh yeah, no, we've, we've come back, I know, and we come back to this time and time again that there is something fundamentally wrong or rotten within Scottish rugby. That this is something, and you know, Richard Cockrell's been upfront about that. It's something that needs fixing, and fixing fast. And and yeah. I think one thing, Sandy, is you, you you putting themselves in situations to play these games is one part of that. Yes, but. You know, there are only so many times you can play a quarterfinal and a semi-final and lose yep. and not progress 
for, for for to say it's not just exposure to the big matches; it's something yeah. else. And I, you know, I level that at Glasgow as well, John, because you you know Glasgow have been in situations where they have been in contention, and yes, they won the Pro 14 final once, but they they haven't won it since. Been in a final since, but they haven't won it since. Yeah. So it's it's more than I think it's more than just being in a playing in the big games. It's something else as well, Sandy. Yeah, and I think you you do have a point because I mean I think as I said in my my article that um, when they when they took the field against Ulster they had already had three knockout phase uh, uh, games with most of the players that were in this team. When they took the field against Bordeaux they had four. So and uh, okay that's now. F- Five and five and oh, and you know how much big game experience do you need before you can start turning that around? It's not. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to be too harsh because you know, you. I mean, you've come close in almost every single occasion, and and there's obviously just one last key piece missing to get them uh, get them over the the finish line there. But to, just to pick up on what John said, because I actually had I had written that that I mean, uh, Damien Hoyland, I thought had a really good game, but he hadn't played at all since the yeah. uh, return from lockdown. That's right. um, it, it, and I suspect he was only chosen because um, they needed him to be available to go to fullback if Jacko had gone off and Kinghorn had to go to stand off. Um, I, I, because the whole of last season, it was Aroni Sow that was being chosen yep. on, uh, when um Duhan wasn't available, so that you know, right away there, and, and we didn't have a. I, 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 I'm not going to get any conspiracy theories, but obviously we didn't have a recognised standoff on the uh, on the bench. I mean, whether I mean, I understand that uh, Chamberlain travelled as the twenty fourth man, but why was he not in this? Why was he not in the squad? And you, the men maybe didn't have to make those same sacrifices in terms of your uh, uh, selection. I, I mean, you're right. Grant Gilchrist doesn't look fit. I, I, both of these games, in fact, I, I, it took me well to notice him on Saturday because he wasn't wearing his scrum cap. And, I, and when I did see him, he looked like he was his head was about to explode. Um, <laughs> he, he looked that hot. You know, I mean, I know it was warm. I think it was thirty degrees in Bordeaux on, on Saturday. Yeah. Um, I don't think I don't think Balmata looked. I mean, Edinburgh were no, better once uh, once Haining came in at number eight, um, and I. I um, so there's, I mean, there was, there was some weird selections. I thought, I'm sure Richard Cockrell would explain them if he felt he needed to. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah, no, they didn't. didn't I, don't. I mean, I suppose that's part of it, isn't it? I mean, it's 30 degree heat in a playing in a foreign country. I mean, you, you know, it's the first time member have played away from home, and to it's not like well, we're going to play away home at Leinster or Munster. We're yeah. going and playing away in the south of France in 30 degree heat. Yeah. You know, but so. Then, uh, Surely yeah. there's an argument then that if you're taking, you know, you're going to have to back your young fly half. You're going to have to back Chamberlain this year, and he can yeah. weather. He can weather the ball. He can put you in good positions. He's got a great kicking game. Surely you back him. You have yeah. to back him. Um, Bobby got in touch. He said, "I nailed the nailed the pronunciation of his surname." By the way, well so done, I'm mate. Well that wee bit blown blown some smoke up my own bum there. Um, <laughs> Says, given uh, how Munster seem to have plateaued as nearly men, do we worry Ember have a similar upper limit, or can they kick on? I think Sandy, they can kick on from this. I think I don't. I think you know. We said a couple of weeks ago, you know, topping the topping your conference in the Pro 14 is no, uh, you know, it's it's no mean feat. That's a 
that was a good performance. Yeah. This is these are strange times. What we we can never know what would have happened if they'd had a good run at this. Yeah, I mean, my guess was that they would have probably made the the quarter and had an away tie if the game, mm. if the season had, had no, and then obviously you just have to see what happens. I mean, it, it, that's no different than now. Uh, I mean, it, I'm. I'm Potentially, this has been Edinburgh's best ever season. Um, uh, you know, you can argue that, and I think you're, you're not going to be far off it. More points scored, more more wins, etc., etc., etc. So, you know, there shouldn't really be any reason why they shouldn't then kick on from there. Um, the only the only kind of snag in that really is that it's not a we're not it's not a level playing field. I mean, people, everybody else is thinking the same thing. You know, teams that have been struggling are going to want to change. Ospreys are going to be better. You know, um, and Dragons got rather um, dismantled by uh, uh, Bristol, but you know they're a, they're going to be a better side as the months go on because they're already starting to look that way. So um, the 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 environment is going to be tougher. I think mm. is the is the bottom line. So if they get if they can kick on, they'll deserve it. That's as simple as that. Yeah, I mean, Premier Sports are being very very Premier Sports this evening have um, broken the embargo on the uh, Pro 14 fixtures. I've <laughs> <and have> announced I've <laughs> announced the first weekend of fixtures, which is going to be on uh, Friday the second of October. So um, you have got Edinburgh versus Ospreys, uh, Edinburgh at home, and Glasgow away to Connacht for the fourth time in five years. Yeah, uh, I read that. Uh, do you think they'll? Start, I mean, is is the uh, Sinbin sofa COVID secure? <laughs> That's a big question. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, both Glasgow Glasgow's game at five pm on the Saturday and Embers game at seven forty. Uh, Glasgow Premier Sports two and Ember Premier Sports one. So time to renew those subscriptions if you haven't done so already. Yeah. Don't think <laughs> I think times are tough at Premier Sports now. They've lost Sunset and Vine as their production partner. So you. Think essentially, it's it's um, John from HR on camera on camera one, and they've got somebody running the line with a with a pitch. Somebody from uh, accounts to the pitch side, Mike at the side. Yeah, he he also does cancellations and never answers the phone. So <laughs> there's no deals to be had with Premier Sports um, that I could see either at the minute. No. So um, they were, they were yes. doing that, doing a really interesting deal on. So they were marketing it based on the Serie A football. Um, saying that they so forty nine pounds for the year for the okay. for the Serie A football, but that got you all the channels. So um, worth checking out. Um, yep, let's have a look so, at that. You know, look at the football deals because it will give you the rugby also. I think the there's also um, I think you can also get some deals wherever you go. Th- you get Ember and Glasgow get a bit of kickback, yep. but I don't. I think I, all the money, forward. all the money goes into Mark Do- the the kind of mattress under Mark Dodson's bed anyway, or. <laughs> I think the I giant think the, code... the, the giant Scrooge McDuck money pit that he dives into at BT Murrayfield every morning. <laughs> oh, what were you going to say, yeah. Sandy? Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, Ed, yeah, Edinburgh announced that as part of your Castle Club membership, you would, uh, I think if it was, the code was Edinburgh 80 or something like that. Yeah, it's Ed, Edinburgh 80 in Glasgow. But, but I think two days later, pro, the Pro 14, uh, sorry, Premier Sports announced that uh, if he, if he, Claimed Ospreys eighty or Leinster eighty, you were, everybody was getting it. So they they thought they were getting an exclusive, only to discover that uh, that wasn't quite the case. <laughs> they, were sent, they sent it to all the the Glasgow fans with Cardiff eighty on it for oh. for a wee bit. So um, it's like hmm, maybe maybe not. Maybe just kickbacks for Cardiff. They're trying to get away oh. from that Irish bias. Yeah. 
Um, the the other kind of there's got a couple of bits of news I'll pick on for do hands in the rocks. We're, we're we're over the hour mark already. Uh, Johnny Gray continues to Johnny Gray. He, he ninety nine. He has made ninety nine tackles in Europe this season and missed one. Literally like a Jay Z song. Ninety nine <laughs> tackles and he's just missed one. I was trying. To, I was mulling on Twitter today whether or not he needs a nickname. Now we we ha- used to have Stat Boy. On we here, which we quite boy, liked. Yeah. Um, someone said that they didn't. They thought Opta Johnny was actually his name for a while until they realised <laughs> that's just the name of the Opta, the Opta account on uh, on Twitter. I like, that. Um, I like oh, Opta yeah, Johnny. I thought I I, I I thought Thanos because because of the, there's that line in Endgame where he says I am inevitable, and I suppose <laughs> the tackle from Johnny Gray is inevitable. But then Alan Dimmick pointed out that he, really nicknames need to be kind of some sort of pun or play on words. And the only thing I circled back to, which and I don't think this is appropriate at all because I don't think it would work, but our discussion in our Patreon episode, uh, John, where we talked about how comparable Johnny Gray's tackle success rate is to contraceptives. Yeah. <laughs> and Johnny Gray is more effective than a condom. So you could have rubber Johnny. Rubber Johnny. <laughs> but I don't think, I don't want to start calling him rubber or rubber J. Rubber J. Rubber J. Just call him RJ. RJ. There we go. RJ. RJ. Our own own RJ South Africa, RJ Snyman. We've got RJ Gray. RJ Gray. There we go. RJ Gray. I like that. Uh, It sounds a bit like J.R. Hartley, the guy who's (laughs) looking for the fly fishing book in the other. Like that. RJ, RJ Gray. We'll go with that. We we got pinball to stick, I think, with the official channels in the end, you know. So we'll get, we'll, we will, I was going to say, in the official line phrase, we will penetrate with that soon. And I don't know. <laughs> we'll get some market penetration with that. Not quite sure I, if that's uh, quite, I th- extending I think the I'm metaphor st- further than it needs to be. I think I'm going to steal your 99, uh, 99 Tackles um, song for my, uh, for my metal album. So that's good. I, I'm going to use that one for, you know, add that to the, the list of bonkers tracks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The other bit of uh, thing, Stuart Hogg's been doing the rounds, the interview rounds. There'd be a couple of, couple of interesting things. He did one with the good, the bad and the ugly and James Haskell wasn't on it. So it was tolerable because yeah. um, Mike Tyndall's almost, li- almost, almost all right to listen to when he's not um, doing the banter. They, they had a, there was a couple of bits of ban- banter, but I don't know. It just seemed very forced. But the, the, the couple of interesting things I think were around Stuart Hogg's relationship with Gregor Townsend and also the kind of, I think I'd call it a love triangle, but the <laughs> the triumvirate of, of of Townsend, Hogg, and Russell, and how that relationship between the three of them works, and what was really interesting, John, and we did we did the Tooney, um autobiography. It's the very telling. Uh, so that's worth going back to. Listen to that podcast again because we we talked in that a lot about cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, and you know Gregor Townsend not wanting to players to repeat the sins of the father so to speak yes and essentially that's what Stuart Hogg said he was talking about that you know when he'd when he'd nearly gone off to Ulster and that Gregor Townsend had essentially like torn it torn his head off about it and really ripped into him about what you what you're playing at what you're doing and Stuart Hogg has said you know Gregor Townsend does not want his players repeating the mistakes that he made as a player yes and so that then is very telling when you read 
when you understand that in conjunction with what Gregor Townsend does in his autobiography, that he did fall out with Scottish head coaches. The relationship was irreparable. He does hold grudges again. Well, certainly at the time in his autobiography, he held grudges. So it's interesting, John, that this, you know, this we were saying this, you know, is that is this an explanation for the relationship with Finn Russell? And, and there it is in black and white. We, you know. Yeah, we've, we've touched it. We've touched on it twice, actually, because we mentioned during the 97 Lions chat as well. Um, what was mentioned about the kind of the sins of the past and looking at how um, uncomfortable Gregor Townsend looked at the time during during the documentary and um, yeah, it is. I, I think it, I think it's I think it's good. It's a good sign that you've got someone with a semblance of emotional intelligence who's able to mm. accept. You know what the past maybe i done things i made mistakes and i don't want you he's not sitting there like you see ex-pros sitting there going well i wouldn't change anything for the world because i've had mm. this experience and that he's telling people don't do what i did i could have had a better career i could have done more i could have done this i could have done that yeah it's worked out but there's obviously a better way to do it and yeah. i think that's really intelligent it is. I mean, even in the book, I mean, there's even that within the book. And again, it's, it's well worth the read because I think we said at the time, it's not something I think he would write now if he was to sit down and write yeah. it. And I think the key thing is when um, Geeks talks about staying at Northampton rather than going to Cardiff. And he wanted to go to Cardiff because he wanted to play with Rob Howley, who he thought at the time was the best name in the world. So it's interesting, Simon, that we get that, the, the, you know, I think the... It speaks to Townsend as a coach. I know we were critical at the time of the way that the SRU handled it, but maybe actually behind the scenes, not from a PR point of view, because I think that that was pretty much a car crash. But from a <laughs> from a coaching point of view, this has been handled incredibly well because you were, you know, you've got Townsend and Russell and Hogg all saying Finn Russell is going to play for Scotland again. He's probably going to be in the next squad, and it's dealt with up front. It's done there's going to be no questions about it because it's all out there in the open. So, I mean, it's, it's, I would say a masterclass in coaching because it probably shouldn't have happened in the first place, but certainly lessons seem to be learned all around. Yeah. And, it, and, and ultimately that's where we want. And it, it may just be that um, the amount of water that's passed under the bridge has helped as well. It's allowed that things to just to calm down. Um, whereas if we had, you know, played more games, um, summer tours that it would have been the, the pressure would have been there to to include um, Finn uh, um, and maybe that that would not have been that would not have been welcome at that particular time. Whereas now, I think most people would say, "Well, it, you know, that's done. Forget it. Let's move on," uh, and, um, and and he can come back into the fold without too much uh, um, too much comment one way or the other because we've just had that, that time that's elapsed. Um, I mean, you're always going to have, I suppose, there's always going to be creative, if you like, creative differences <laughs> uh, um, in the way that, uh, I mean, you, 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 I mean, I know I, I didn't hear the whole of the uh, the Hog interview on that podcast, but, you know, he said himself he didn't always have the easiest um, uh, relationship. And that's fine, as long as you can find a way to um, to work through it so that when, you know, when it, when it comes to, you know, the, the game day or the mat or, or the squad that, that you that you can put that to one side and go on with it because we're, we, you know we, you, you don't like everybody you play with you don't necessarily even have to like your coach as long as you can yep. you respect them <laughs> yeah there's we've got it's an interesting point actually from um, 
Moshen on uh, YouTube who's coming with this comment, and I wanted to pick up on this anyways. It's, Do you think Finn Russell is the best 10 in the world? Both Hogg and Cotter have said so recently. Um, I think the answer to that is yes. I, I, don't, I don't have a doubt that he is the best in the Northern Hemisphere. I think the best in the Southern Hemisphere, I'm not I'm not sure. I think that might be stretching, but certainly he'd be, he would be up there. I think the thing is you've got, I mean, who's his competition? I mean, Johnny Sexton's getting on. I think he's, the game, you know, his recent performances for Leinster haven't been worldies. Oh, you've got Owen Farrell, who's preferred at 12. And, you know, it doesn't do what Finn Russell does. I mean, he, you know, he also does, you know, Finn Russell doesn't do what Owen Farrell does tackle-wise either, but let's, you know. <laughs> I was going to answer this one with the um, a kind of follow-up from last week with just that yes, next question. Um, <laughs> but, but again, um, we have to try and put some sort of insight around this. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think I think he absolutely is the best ten in the world, and I think you can you can always argue the piece about you know different types of ten, and it's the great thing about rugby is you know we have a variety of different players. But if you want a purely Exciting attacking ten who's going to get a backline firing. You you take Finn Russell all day. Um, yes, you could argue you know Bowden Barrett's quicker. Um, Pollard's got a better boot. Um, Farrell's maybe more more you know more of a thug. Um, but Finn would be you know in in my type of t- team that I would want to see play. Finn would be your ten all day yeah. any day without a doubt. I think the fact he doesn't seem phased by anything, and that was. The the other thing that was interesting this week, um, Alan Dimmick's done an article on Rugby World about what you know rugby's need for a superstar, and why hasn't rugby had one? I mean, this Jonah Lomu, I think you could argue, I think was was up there because he probably did that thing where he transcends the yeah. sport. You need someone that reaches outside of rugby. People outside of rugby know who he is, and there's probably been players that. have touched on that in the past I think maybe the Underwoods during the amateur days you could probably argue kind of people you know they're on Games Master which is you know Rory Underwood was on Games Master flying a plane at one point and there's there's testament to how you've transcended the sport Will um, Carling for his extracurricular activities was obviously quite famous wasn't he <laughs> I don't think, well I'm not suggesting anyone goes and has an affair with royalty to try and you know become <laughs> well, <laughs> famous outside the sport I think that's you know Mike Tindall tried but I think <laughs> Between that and his nose, um, but I think it's interesting. I mean, the question would be why. I mean, there's no reason. I, I suppose it's. I don't think rugby as a sport lends itself to, or w- would allow ego in the same way as football or even basketball, where you've had like some Michael Jordan, and yeah, I don't think anybody could have that ego and drive at the same time and be allowed to have that and be celebrated for it. I mean, you look at Michael Jordan, an incredibly driven guy, very confident in his own abilities, would talk himself up all day. I think, But I think in the culture of basketball and even the culture in America, that's okay. That's a good thing. If you had, let's take Finn Russell for an example. Finn Russell walking around like he's Billy Big Balls, talking himself up, you know, uh, talking up the team, talking about how great he is and playing the way he does. I don't think people would swallow that, John. 
No, no, they absolutely wouldn't. It's bad enough that, you know, there's plenty of people out there who say Finn Russell's arrogant and, you know, the fact he the fact he's able to be resilient to making mistakes by laughing at it. People seem to think that this is some sort of cardinal sin and doesn't care about the game. So if he started talking about how good he is and stuff like that, he would be absolutely crucified. And I think Lomu was probably the only superstar we've had in rugby purely from a, a there was there was a timing aspect and there was the physical aspect you know the timing of just going to professionalism the 95 world cup the all the all the political sensitivity around that coupled with this ridiculous specimen that no one had seen in rugby before this ridiculous person um but I think there's an element as well with rug- rugby is, you know, we've, we've talked about two other team sports and yes, you know, in basketball, there's more opportunity in perhaps, say, basketball or football for those, um, I want to say kind of big plays. You, you can get individual scores in rugby, but there's always other stuff happening. There's always, you know, there's the, the ruck before you get the the, the ball and skin everybody. You know, you need three players to clear that ruck out. You need the person to pass to you in the right way. You need, there's all those different things that have to happen. So it is still more of a team sport. Uh, and you don't have those opportunities for those amazing, you know, YouTube-worthy um, plays necessarily. So um, I think we might struggle to, to see... Um, another superstar. I think the culture probably um, doesn't allow it, but it hasn't stopped Sexton from wanting to be it. <laughs> Sam, did you, away, did you? Yeah, I was going to say, you away on yeah. this? Yeah, just I, th- I think the um, the fact that the, even the way the question was phrased is Finn Russell the best ten in the world? Well, you, but you don't say is Michael Jordan the best. You know, whatever the position is in basketball, I don't know. But you, you, you people Jumper just say, man. Michael Michael Jordan is the best basketball player in the world, or was the best basketball. Whereas you know, Finn Russell uh, maybe the best ten, but he might not be the best rugby player. Yeah. He, he needs he needs a scrum half. He needs a he needs props, and and I suppose that I mean you've touched on it. That's the culture in in rugby where it's. I mean, you could say that a position is more important. Um, I mean, I had that. I had that conversation uh, in my own house not that long ago. My, my stepson was told he was going to be a hooker and wasn't particularly happy about it. And, and my wife was asking me, well, is, is that a good position or a bad position? I said, well, it's, <laughs> it's a position. Know, there, there are, there, there, yeah, there are, there are no good and bad. I mean, there are ones that maybe you have different input in the game, but, you know, everybody contributes. So, you know, Shouldn't be unhappy you about it. Get to play as a fourth back row. We are a fourth back row at Hooker now. It's fantastic. Yeah. Just run around behind people. Um, but so yeah, you don't. It, it's not. It's not as simple um, as simple as uh, the best rugby player because there is just so much. It, it's funny as well because we we all we always talk about that. You know, in so in football you always talk about it's always the attackers who get the yeah. pod. It's they're the best mm. players in the world. And we do the same in rugby. You know, nobody's saying Xander Fagerson's the best rugby player in the world. Yeah. I, I, mean, yeah, I think I, we should. We, maybe we should I mean, start. Yeah. It's, it's probably a much longer, much longer conversation when because you then you start to who's the best midfielder, who's the best, who's the best yep. defender, and you. And, uh, yeah. But that's a con- that's further down the conversation because yeah. the, off the tip of the tongue, best football in the world, people will go Messi 
or, yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah, have yeah. But he can't, but he's, he's what he's like two foot nothing and he'd be rubbish yeah. in rubbish in central defence. He could be a hooker. Or rubbish in goal. I could, I could, yeah. um, I mean Washington makes it <laughs> sure we're more likely to see the next global rugby in, in rugby sevens. And I think it probably lends itself more to the YouTube clips and yes, but I think we. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. It's worth checking out the Patreon episode we did on Rugby Sevens with um, Lee from Blood and Mud and, and Professor Tony Collins, because we talked a little bit about why Rugby Sevens hasn't quite taken off. And I'm not going to go in there because you're going to have to pay three pound ninety five pound to go and listen to it. But it's there's a, we had an interesting discussion around that point. Anyway, but it's it's got the most potential, I think, as part of the sport to take off and almost be an, a gateway a gateway sport a version of the sport to allow people to find 15s but you know it's not it's not there yet um we'll, we'll move on we're going to do we'll get we'll get we're nearly there what well, we're an hour and 20 minutes in another we'll hour so. we're slowly so <laughs> we're going to do this now Yes, it's hands in the rockets. Are any other business section of the podcast? Um, Joe Shepherd has gone, but he he's, he said he's going to watch his back. So I'm going to I'm going to put the question to you both very quickly. Um, that Joe asked. He said, um, "Where do you feel Scottish rugby strengths are going forward at regional and test level, John?" Yeah, it's a it's, it's a big ask. Um, I think I think certainly for for both regional and test level, I think the main strength we're going to have going forward now is the greater alignment between the academies and the pro teams. Um, I think that's, I think, I mean, it's served other clubs, uh, Leinster in particular, it served them very well and served Ireland very well, uh, that format. And I think we've finally got it right. And to we need to leverage that now. We need to make sure that the young talent that are being put in these academies the contracts are there now. You know, Glasgow and Edinburgh, the days of Glasgow and Edinburgh being able to go to market um, to fill their squads out are probably less than they were before. So Reliance in the academy now, there's going to be more game time, there's going to be more opportunities. And it's why it's very frustrating for, you know, uh, I'm not going to say an impartial supporter, but a supporter uh, who sees Edinburgh as kind of a, my second side, Looking, looking at um, Cockrell not giving guys like Chamberlain game time, not necessarily trusting Charlie Shield, it's very frustrating, and that for me that has to change because I think we've got a real strength there. Yeah, and it's going to have to change because there isn't really an option now. We've kind of been yeah. put in that position now that yeah. the, there isn't an option to have five scrum halves and your youngest players number five, and at some point you'll either fall out the game or you'll. Be good enough to rise to the top, Sandy. Yep. What 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 was it for you? What do you think the the current strengths are? To, you know, to be honest, I can't. I don't think I can add to what John has just has just said. It's. I mean, I, I wasn't one hundred percent certain where Joe's question was coming from, and um, so I, I didn't have time to think about. But um, I, no, I, I I can't add to what. I can't add to what John's just. No, that's think. true. I think I think for me it's financial. I think if if Mark yeah. we touched on this earlier, that's that's the big strength for us going forward. If if Mark Dodson has done or the Scottish rugby has done what Mark Dodson has said it's done, 
and it's retained Richard Cockrell. We retain Gregor Townsend, and let's face it, there's no, you know, nobody else has got money to pay these guys to go elsewhere anyway. But if you can, I, I persuade them to stay for less money, which I, which I assume in Cockrell's case he's done. And if yep. you can manage the finances so that there is a game and there are yep. clubs for people to get along to a weekend, and I'm not talking about Super Six, I'm talking about your community clubs. The community club survives that we have. You know, I'd be sorry to see Super Six go, but if it had to go, it would that would be the first thing to go for me yeah. because it's yeah. new and you know, let's come back to circle back to it when we're better. But if Scottish rugby comes out of this making an eighteen only an eighteen million loss, and you know the books are as bal- are much more balanced than other unions, then that's where our strength lies. Our strength lies in almost the kind of financial prudence that's been shown. If if that if that proves to be the case, because you know the accounts have been delayed this year, we don't know that for certain. But if that's been the case, then you know that's that's going to be a big strength because it puts us on a better footing going going forward. It's worth also noting as well that prior to you know you've mentioned obviously Cockrell signing a new contract. Um, prior to the COVID situation, we had kind of started to build our new coaching team for the national team and is worth obviously touching on some of the assets we've got there. Um, you know, Ed Villiers in particular is mm. a fantastic addition to that team. Um, and if there's been one weakness in the Scottish game for many, many years, it's obviously been our forward pack hasn't necessarily been as um, dirty and snotty as we would maybe want it to be. So, um, they were starting to show signs in the Six Nations that that maybe was shifting. Uh, it's not that the guys aren't big enough, let's be honest. There's there's plenty of heft in there. So, again, just from a from a purely playing perspective, having these having a wee bit of continuity from from these coaches who are, are well thought of coaches, and we've secured them just before. You know, nobody can pay them now. So, yeah. and and Steve, you I know, mean, even Steve Tandy was looking like a pretty shrewd signing. Shrewd after signing. The yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he was well thought of. I think he did done a, a lot of work. Did you in... did you happen to catch? Now it was interesting the interview with Danny Wilson, um, which I haven't I got around to reading to it. Reading it very, yet? But it's very, on the offside line. Yeah, yeah. It was very interesting. He he was asked directly. Um, about this, the sort of rumours that there was a bit of an ultimatum given after, um, with regards to yeah, basically we don't want you to be in the national setup anymore. Um, you you were going to sideline you over to Glasgow because um, you're under contract, but we don't want you here. Um, and he addressed that very very eloquently. He said you know said all the right things regarding obviously a head coach's position. At, any of the pro teams is a is a bigger job than the national than mm. being an assistant coach at the national level, um, and that he categorically denied that there was any sort of ultimatum or any sort of um, you know people out to pasture. So I think, and I think that 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 stacks up because we've you know we've got, and I don't want to play down John DL, but that's what we've ended up with. It's not like there was he went and there was a ready-made successor to step into the role. Yeah. It's not like there's someone said, well, we've got this other forward, this world-class forwards coach, like Matt Proudfoot's lined up to come from the Springboks to Scotland, so we're going to sideline you. Then, yeah. you know, so uh, that it stacks up because they wouldn't have done that unless they had someone lined up to take his place. Yeah. Yep. Um. John, I'm going to go to you first. What's your hands in the rock this week? So I, I was going to um, 
Yeah, we get a sort of wee continuation from the chat earlier on. Um, obviously, the I think we all maybe have seen the chat around the the the, the three riches, the mountains, and people Scottish rugby fans doing what they do best in mourning uh, about the three riches. Um, in particular, there's there was a few few comments both on the, the official Scottish rugby comment uh, the, the post about it and other various locations the you know the forum um people i i posted just saying we need to have a bit of perspective people moaning about i'm paying 34 pounds and i might not get a ticket i'm paying 34 pounds for what i one person said, I'm paying £34 and I would pay more if I was guaranteed a ticket, but also I've I've you know I've unfortunately lost my job due to COVID. So uh and my response to that would quite simply be so rugby's an expensive day out. Okay. Um if you've not been to a rugby game, it can be a very expensive day out. Can also be quite a cheap deal if you if you get the right people and they buy you buy you lots of things and yeah if you're blessed to be like that that's great but it can be a very expensive day out if you're not able to absorb 34 pounds and i i don't know obviously lots of circumstances obviously with the situation that's going on just now 34 pounds is 34 pounds it, it can it's it's a lot of money for a lot of different things get you a nice xbox game if you so desire um but if you can't absorb £34 for the opportunity to maybe, prior to knowing that we're probably not going to get to stadiums, and actually if you were sensible you would have known that anyway, but if you're not able to absorb that £34, my suggestion would be that you probably can't afford to go to a rugby game anyway, and you just shouldn't moan about it, and maybe just shouldn't pay your £34. Nobody's holding a gun to your head to pay the £34. You have the option of the free um Lomond account where you can get your shiny e-letter newsletter whatever they're wanting to call it Do and that. competitions a chance to enter competitions that's <gasps> not that that is in there in that tier promise a chance to enter competitions there you go what more do you know uh, seriously just a bit of perspective literally and i don't want to go into obviously everything that's going on out there but things are progressing again out there things are getting worse for people people are literally losing family members i really it really sticks in my craw when people are moaning about the not getting a chance to go to murrayfield it's like last week when we talked you know it's like people moaning about having to pay 7.99 for amazon prime do you know what i mean it's not uh, i think uh, i've said on the podcast before i've got my doubts about things going behind paywalls and the impact that might have but i was talking about that in the conspect in the in the context of a thirty pound a month Sky Sports subscription, I minimum think that, eighteen uh, months and that, you know that, all of that uh, kind of stuff. This is, you know, what is it for a day pass? Is it like ten quid for a day, ten fifteen pound for a day pass. You know, you multiply that. That's you know, it's expensive. Seven ninety nine. That's how you, you pay. You, you can cancel anytime. It's one month. You can even get a thirty day free trial. I don't think there's anything to moan about because Amazon yeah. have come. I, I've no doubt that Amazon have put some big money into this. Because the, and I don't think the decision to go away from terrestrial TV would have been made lightly because of what the the, the way that can be the, the view the viewing figures and the way you can then take that to sponsors. So yes, I, I I agree with you, John. I don't think I've got I can't I can't fault that at all. 
I know it sounds harsh. Like I know people are really passionate about rugby and stuff like that, and they they really, you know, they want to support the team and want to be there for the team. But we have to be realistic, and yeah, you know, moaning about not being able to go to Murrayfield. Just come on. It's uh, it's a bit. Of, I agree with John, but it's a bit of frustration. I think for people, there it's been, and it's you're right. Hard to get perspective, but you've. Folk are just fed up with everything the way it's going, and yeah. and pro- probably looking forward to getting the getting back to Murrayfield. And now that's been rugged and pulled from under their feet. So whilst I agree that it's, you know, you you need to kind of bear in mind that you know people are losing lives, people are losing jobs, people are all the rest of it is 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 um, I think it's just frustration. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's you know you can lay the blame of that a number of people's feet as to how messages have gone out. I mean, I, I'm probably naturally pessimistic, and I hadn't thought there'd be people at rugby grounds for the you know until till early next year anyway. But you know, not we have to. I suppose we have to appreciate that not everybody would have had that. And as you say, Sandy, people are pinning the hopes on it coming back, and it's something that keeps you going. And all of a sudden, it's it's yeah. gone and. You know, that's going to hit people hard. I think the interesting, while we're talking about the current situation, we haven't talked about, and I don't know, this might be Sandy's hands in the ruck, I don't know, but the, the Edinburgh Academy player who decided oh, yeah. to... Um, no, I mean, it's not, but I, I mean, I, I think I'd... You know, a 19, 20-year-old lad makes a mistake uh, and goes to the goes to a party. I, you know, whilst he should get his arse kicked, of course he should. I think you know, there are people suggesting just about you be hung, drawn, and quartered. Yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 it seems a bit sad to me that that all there was professional journalists on Twitter, all over Twitter, really giving it to whoever it is really, really badly, and not a single one of them seemed to have any concern for whether he was actually unwell or not. Um, you know, Bad point. you know, you catch the you catch cancer. Nobody says to you, "What are you doing, cats and cancer?" You know, but you know, you catch COVID, and 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 all of a sudden it's um sort of victim blaming there. I mean, yeah, we're not daft. He shouldn't have been where he was, where he was clearly, um, he, he, and he should have known better. But um, and he wasn't the only one. You know, there's other, no. there's, there's other, there were other academy players that went to the same party yeah. allegedly, and and all of a sudden it's the player that's got COVID. It's his fault. The other lads, yeah. as far as we know, didn't catch yeah. it. So yeah, you know, he's he's. You know, he's kissed the wrong girl in the night and he's caught it. I don't know if that's technically how you catch it. You should have had an R. Maybe should have had Maybe should have had suppose that's better than nothing in some should have had a, you know, he had should have had a an RJ Grey on him, maybe. COVID cannot be sexually transmitted to the best of my knowledge. We should have Alan McDonald on here for a fact check. But I agree with you, Sandy. I think this that side of it bothered me. I think the other side of it that I thought was was the argument about the fact that it was Jason Leach that was critical of him rather than yep. Nicholas Sturgeon where she'd come out and talked about oh, football. I don't I don't I, I thought that that was it was kind of the it's a chip on the shoulder oh, lost you. by you know we were told off by the you know first minister and it's not yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think there's anything there other than he was the one. You know, he. You know, he. He was the one that was asked the question about it. Really. Yeah, yeah and there was a lot. Of, I think there was a lot of people you know, comparing the, the 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 Aberdeen footballers and the the Celtic guy who decided to fly to fly to France. I think it was Spain. Um, yeah. And I don't know that the two things are. I mean, I'm not. I, I'm. I'm not going to buy. I don't buy into the 
rugby is different than football, and but but I also don't buy into the that, that you were getting from some of the football journalists that uh, that rugby was been treated differently. That this is not a, the similar situation, you know. This is a young lad, um, rather than a seasoned professional. This is not a guy who's flown to Spain for goodness' sake. He's gone. To, he's gone to a house party. They're not comparable. Yeah, and, and I mean, the other thing as well is we've got. You know, we, we say he's gone to a house party. Let's put this in context. I mean, he's not going to be living in isolation in his own flat anyway. I mean, and this is the this is the thing with young people is that they're all they're all living in house. Presumably, all these lads are living in house shares anyway. Yeah. So, you know, he's got a house party. We don't know how many people with. You know, it conjures up in images of people yeah. sprawling out on the grass and being sick yeah, everywhere. Yeah. But it literally could have been he went to the, you know, three lads went yeah. to three lads next door and they play the PlayStation. <laughs> I know we don't know the context, so I think I think you're quite right. What what was your hands in the rock, Sandy? Before I move on to um, mine. Well, I kind of I kind of wrote down a couple of things. I was annoyed with Stephen Jones. There's, like, there's I think that's that's that's, that's no, a kind no, of we should no, have that as a standard that. item. Uh, uh, using using the fact that uh, uh, Bristol beat the Dragons to to see how rubbish the Pro 14 was, which I just thought was <laughs> a, was a bizarre comparison to make. You know, I, I just you know, I, it was crazy. Um, the other thing I wrote to myself was that uh, there was an interview again. I get not not blaming the um, the, the thing with Palmer in the uh, Sunday Times, but in an interview with Sam Thompson, he used the was at Edinburgh, yeah, and no. uh, which I thought you know it's like, and I remember in fact when I was looking to check with um, his article, the the a similar article came up when he joined Edinburgh about how excited he was and how he'd sent his he'd sent his demo tape to Richard Cockrell when yeah. he'd heard there was. About your interest, and he was all excited about it and desperate to come home. And because it didn't work out, all of a sudden the toys are right out of the pram. Uh, and you, I just find it, you know, a bit OTT. Um, you know, he, he he said in his interview that he reckoned he was better than some of the others that were playing. Well, you know, of course you would say that, but my own opinion was that he was he was. Distinctly average, to be honest, mm. and didn't wasn't really in. Never did anything in an Edinburgh shirt to merit him getting uh, a second row jersey ahead of anybody else. And I think, I think just, it's, it's not been good enough. That's why he's not there. Yeah, I think what's interesting is the 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 four apart from that that the general the the stuff coming up from former Edinburgh players speaks very highly of Richard Cockrell. I think that the you know the 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 Matt Smith stuff. I think that was just a hangover from his experiences at Glasgow when he was talking about what you know that he'd had exactly the same issue from Cockrell. I mean he hadn't had much of a chance to play under him, but the you know you look at the the Matt Scott interview and how he talked very you know it was circumstance and you know Richard Cockrell actually looked after him very well i think what the flip side of that is the Dave Rennie <laughs> the march of the Dave Rennie the, yeah. the, the queue players to kind of hammer the nail at Dave Rennie's coffin is you know Stuart Hogg gen, genuinely yeah. surprised that he would speak out like that and say i didn't know how i was playing under Dave Rennie because to have a high profile player and you can under you know you can maybe write off the Adam Ashes, the Matt Smiths, the you know the other guys yeah. who've played under Dave Rennie and gone and write off. All right, what well, sour grapes and it's yeah. they just want to they want to get in games and that's why they're unhappy. But you you throw someone like Stuart Hoggin saying I didn't know what I was doing week to week and all of a sudden that kind of it's it, it is the kind of the cherry on top. I suppose it's yeah. it's the proof the proof in yeah. the pudding that there's some things were not right at Glasgow. John. As, as as you rightly say, you know you can you can probably write off. 
squad players who maybe aren't good enough. You know, guys like Rory Hughes maybe just not good enough. Not, not you know, through through opportunity and through injury and situation, just haven't haven't quite made it. And obviously, some people react in different ways to that. You know, uh, Rosa Rosa and the Buckfast was was a, an, it was a unique way of reacting to it. Um, we've got got to give them kudos for that. Um, but you know, player leaves club and is annoyed about it there's there's a shocker eh? um you know and there, there's actually there's a funny there's an interview with with uh, mr mr thompson actually mid-season where he's talking about he's getting a run of games and he's he's yeah. delighted and thrilled uh you know at being there and stuff like that so it's all it's all kind of by the by but when you've got a you know like let's say a a, a premium asset like a stuart hogg or you know we talked about the the love triangle of uh, Townsend, Hogg, and Russell. Well, two of that three were not Rennie fans, um, in both in both Russell and and uh, Hogg. So, um, yeah, there's more stories coming out, and I think it's back to that thing of if you're a if you were a Rennie man, um, he had a very particular way of managing the players, and if you flourished under that, then you were fine. If you didn't, you really didn't. Mm. Yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, you know, the uh, I think the, the the thistle has put a meme out, kind of saying, you know, anytime there's an, a player leaves Glasgow, Embra, they all saw like, the journalist straight circling. You've got Mark Palmer and Jamie Lyle circling, ready to get the exclusive. And I can't blame that. I think you know, I will say, I'm not, you know, I'm not criticising Jamie or, or Mark at all. No, no, do fantastic oh, work, but it's yeah. just, it's just interesting. You know, it's it's like getting a getting a Glasgow and Ember player to ex player to talk it in bad terms is like shooting fish in a barrel these days, which I think is, it's, I think with, 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 with Dave Rennie, it sounds like with good reason with Richard Cockrell. I, I agree with you, Sandy. I think it's hard to, I don't think we can pin that on Richard Cockrell. No. I guess I just says it. So I did have to laugh when I, cause when I was looking at this, I noticed that Rory Hughes had said that he, 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 that rugby is just a business. And I thought, well, you're getting paid for it. Of course, it was a business. It's like, <laughs> surely that hasn't come as a surprise to you. you know, <laughs> yeah, you've got, I, wa- I mean, you've got wages. <laughs> he, um, I think he always bought into the uh, that he's he was he was more than that because of the 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 lovely marketable story of the castle yeah. milk boy who, who made it to the Glasgow first team and stuff, you know, it's all just tripe really. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You're, you're, you're an asset to a club and yes, you get used and abused and you get paid handsomely for it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. It speaking of, surprise. <laughs> uh, speaking yeah. of which my, my hands in the rock is people who use their, um, injuries, their, um, the effect the game has had on them to to promote books. <laughs> I think we've talked about. I mean, certainly the, the James Haskell and the Dylan Hartley stuff. Sandy, we've touched upon that. They, yeah. You know, all. You know, it, it's it's stuff. You know, they're talking about war injuries and all the the fact they've been left crippled by rugby, and, and I, it's an absolutely a valid point to make. And if they were making it in the context of I'm speaking out on behalf of people who can't speak out, then I'm all for it. But they're speaking out because James Haskell and Dylan Hartley, surprise, surprise, both have books out and the Christmas book market's coming soon. And then this week we had, you know, this um, Joe Marla, my old friend. I'm off of Twitter. Um, <laughs> Joe's not a big fan of mine. Um, 
who you know I, I talked very eloquently um, about his struggles with mental health. And I will say, I think one of the things that the article did well, and I think Joe Marler did very well, was talking about how the practical steps he'd taken to get help and what he had personally found helpful in managing it and how he the insight he had into his behavior. I will say, I don't think he had... His insight wasn't as full as it could be. I don't really think he'd accepted what he did to Alan Wynne-Jones was wrong or to the extent to which it was wrong, he just kind of said, "Well, I apologise and we move on." And I, and you know, I, I shouldn't have made a big thing out of it. And I, I'm not sure he fully grasped the magnitude of, of of what that, you know, grabbing it, grabbing another man's genitals, what, what that would say, or the magnitude of what he did. Um, and similarly, I think with the the Gypsy Gate thing, again, he was kind of how he was apologetic about it. But I'm not entirely sure that he came across as as, ver- as contrite as he might do in that interview. And the other thing I think that the kind of thing is great that he's talking out about, it, but at the same time he's got a book to promote, and that bothers me. The cynical side of me says, "Well, yeah, he has talked about his mental health in the past, but but would he talk about it as openly if he didn't have a book out on the first of October?" You know, you've got guys like John Hardy, you've got guys like Fraser Brown, you've got guys like even like Chris Robshaw who are ready, willing, and prepared to talk openly about their own struggles with mental health and ready and willing to talk about what they have done, how it's affected them, how other people can seek help without having something to promote. And that, so I suppose that bothered me a little bit. That's understandable. I think I completely agree. The other thing I did, one, one more hands in the ruck was, and we've not mentioned the Exeter Chiefs thing for a while, but Leeds Rhinos today released a rugby shirt to raise money for actual rhinos. <laughs> so Leeds Rhinos have now done more for rhinos than Exeter Chiefs have done for indigenous people, <laughs> despite claiming that... The, the 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 indigenous you know they're using the uh, you know a, 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 an indigenous chief symbol on their shirt is there to support indigenous peoples despite never financially having paid money over to them or any support of any kind. So these rhinos have actually done more to help the welfare of rhinos than exit chiefs have done to to help any chiefs. So there you that, go. That's a magnificent thing to end on, isn't it? I know. Um, one last question. This is an, I'm, I'm going to give uh, John levels of uh, insight into this. Ryan Cobain says, would a more Irish-based approach work in Scotland, the focus from grassroots through to club team and then on to international? Um, yes, is the answer to that, Ryan. We've discussed that. <laughs> I think we, me and John and Ian discussed that in a Patreon episode uh, last month. Um, yep. So yes, an Irish-based approach would work because it would mean more Berwick youth players in the under-16 team when it comes around, rather than school being being heavy heavy on schools. And in, in an ideal world, it would mean that both Glasgow and Edinburgh were then uh, allowed to offer uh, charitable tax breaks to um, South African World Cup winners uh, to come over and play for our, <laughs> play for our team. Yep. Uh, those were all, uh, I should make clear, those were all tongue-in-cheek comments um, <laughs> after last week. <laughs> When I was accused of being divisive for saying that Finn, people didn't like Finn Russell because he wasn't from a private school, uh, you know, eighty uh, percent of that was a joke. Twenty percent of me was me being serious. I was probably so. close out fifty fifty, to be fair. <laughs> and on that note, uh, as we pass the hour and three quarter mark, woo, stamina! On, on a podcast, to which I thought we've not got much to cover tonight, lads. 
There we go. Better than that, buddy. He should know better. We've done Sandy a favour there. We talked more about everything else than we did about the border. It's been cathartic, but it's all right. I, I was surprised there wasn't a glass of Bordeaux to celebrate, Sandy. I was <laughs> too much of that at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you everybody for joining us. You can watch this podcast live. We'll be back next week. Uh, Tuesday night's our normal night. It's either Tuesday or Wednesday at half past eight live on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. Um, please subscribe. Uh, there's a link um, you can find on any of those. It'll take you to the various ways to subscribe. You can download us afterwards as well. Sign up to the Patreon to get ad-free versions of the audio podcast as well as exclusive content. We've got our search for Scottish rugby's hardest ever player coming in all through yep. October on Patreon and on the podcast. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so we're hope, hopefully kicking that off in the next week or so. But for the moment, it is goodbye from me and goodbye from John and Sandy. Night, folks. Hey, hope.